Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 1. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as we are about ready to embark on Day 2 of the Pittsburgh Steelers Training Camp Practices. A new season for us, Episode 1, to kick off really the official start of the 2023 preseason with the regular season just about, oh, what is that, six weeks Away, So really excited for that and excited for 14 seasons of the Terrible Podcast, Dave. Boy, who knew, right? Uh, it, it would get this far, but uh, here we are. I, I still thoroughly enjoy doing these shows. Man, we had a great uh, first uh, special edition of the uh, Terrible Podcast, uh, you know, recapping your first day out at Latrobe, 2023 training camp and all, and uh, still get excited. I look forward to those. I look forward to doing uh, these uh, with you three three times a week, and I don't see that stopping any any anytime soon, and, you know, obviously blessed to have you as a co-host all these years as well too. So uh, let's uh, let's get busy kicking off season 14, if you will. If you guys missed it, Dave and I did the training camp recap, a special edition of the podcast last night. So we'll of course touch on camp today, I'm sure throughout this episode, but the bulk of the camp information can be found in my camp diary, sticky to the top of the page on Steelers Depot. And of course, in that uh, podcast that we did last night, to so reference that if you want the full skinny on what happened in Latrobe on Thursday. Uh, speaking of things that happened in Latrobe on Thursday, Pittsburgh Steelers GM Omar Khan speaking to the media, as well as team president Art Rooney II. And the headline kind of bounced off of the reporting on Wednesday and Mike Tomlin's comments about uh, reportedly not getting a contract extension uh, this year led some people to kind of wonder. Um, but I think uh, Art Rooney in particular really shot down any idea that Mike Tomlin was coaching for his job or anything remotely similar to that, saying that a contract will get done when it needs to get done, really just implying it's going to get done next year. Yeah, uh, he did. And and obviously Omar spoke uh, yesterday morning and, you know, says, look, first of all, that's not my job, (laughs) (laughs) which uh, you would think uh, the media members would know that he's not the one deciding uh, whether or not, you know, Mike, 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 when, when, and if Mike Tomlin gets an extension there, but uh, uh, yeah, some really nice things as you would probably expect him uh, to say when it comes to, to, you know, to Mike Tomlin and all, and, you know, talking about how he expects the two of them to work, you know, uh, long into the future here, uh, you know, moving forward and all. So, you know, that kind of set the stage, if you will, uh, talking about that to, uh, you know, uh, team president Art Rooney II, uh, being a guest on Steeders Live, you know, uh, after training camp practice or, or, during training camp practice, uh, on, on, on Thursday there. And, you know, I, I don't think there's really, I don't. I, I. I think he added pretty a pr- pretty much all the context that we needed uh, in his response to uh, questions related to Tomlin. Did he not? 
Yeah, I mean, he said, you know, that he expects Mike Tomlin to uh, continue coaching past his current contract, which is about as forthright as you're going to get on a contract situation from, uh, you know, Art Rooney. And so it'll get done next year. It may get done next spring. I mean, this last contract extension Tomlin signed was in April of 2021. It may get done before camp, but um, barring something you know, incredibly unforeseen occurring, It'll be done this time next year. Here's exactly what Art Rooney II told Mike Pursuta uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, we've done the contract at different points, and people seem to read more into that than is warranted. The contract will get done when it needs to get done. And as Omar said, I expect Mike to be here for a lot longer than the existing contract. And so we'll get it done when the time comes. So I, I don't know how I mean. Uh, re- read into whatever you want to read into that, but pretty it's, clear, I think. Yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty straightforward, and, and really, you know, when it comes to Rooney, he's left some gray area in the past on certain topics, not necessarily, con- you know, uh, but well, in some contracts as well too, you know. Uh, but uh, I think there's less gray area here uh, than, than ever before when, when it comes to, you know, him talking about contracts and, you know, specifically about Mike Tomlin's contract. And that was intentional because I'm guessing Rooney kind of felt or heard or noticed some of the discussion that happened on Wednesday when Jerry Dulac broke that story that Tomlin would not receive the extension this year. So I think Rooney's trying to put cold water on any idea, any notion that Tomlin's uh, job security is not incredibly high. And we can debate whether or not it should be that, but that's certainly where it is. Let me just play devil's advocate for a moment and, and say, okay, if Art really acknowledges a contract will happen, Tomlin will be coaching for a long time, why not do the deal this year? Why wait if you already acknowledge he's going to be, you know, the coach of the Steelers for, for a long, long time? Yeah, that's a, I don't, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. You know other than just uh, time, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't give you a great answer to that question of why not now. Yeah, uh, not that it matters. I, much I don't know if it's it finance. I don't know if it's finance related. I don't know if it is. Hey, you know, maybe you know. Even though this is almost guaranteed, we you know, you still we want to see what you. Maybe it's to put a little pressure. I don't know. I mean, it's a great question, and I do not have. Uh, how would you answer that very question? I don't know. That's why I wanted to ask it before anybody yeah. else asked it, because I don't have the answer to that other than to say that Pittsburgh is a very process oriented type organization and they do things on their own time. And often, although I'm not sure if it's always been the case that Tomlin gets a deal a year out instead of two, I think it has happened once or twice where he's gotten a deal two years out before. But um, Pittsburgh loves their process and their order of things and uh, maybe just want to put the whole focus on the season and not contracts and deal with that next year. Maybe it's an opportunity to let him give him the opportunity to earn more money, right? <laughs> that's yeah, that's also true. I mean, and he's well uh, compensated. What sure. roughly ten million per year right now? Sure. I, I mean, what 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 if he manages to get this team into the playoffs and and win a couple of games? You know, and uh, what 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 does that do on the meter? How how much you know? How much does that move the price tag uh, on him? Yeah, it doesn't on, go down. On, on the flip side, what if he doesn't make the playoffs? You know, 
Well, he'll still get paid well because he's right. Mike Tomlin and, and he's going to get a, a pretty good paycheck. Um, anything else from Art Rooney? I don't know if he said I, I listened. Nah, I listened to the, the whole thing, but that was kind of it. It seemed that, like. Yeah, that that when it comes to Rooney, that was it. So, uh, it, you know, when it comes to Tomlin with both uh, what Omar Khan and Art Rooney II had to say, I think I think we've covered that. So now we can jump sure. back into what uh, Khan had to say in the rest of his press conference. Where do you want to start here? What do you think the biggest thing that Omar Khan had said? I don't know if there was one quote that struck me the most, but there were kind of some little things along the way that, that you said, OK, that that's a little notable to uh, to talk about. Uh, I thought it was interesting, you know, on the heels of specifically that article. And, you know, you wrote the other day about Cameron Sutton and all. Don't think these people don't read that stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he was basically asked, you know, d- d- you know, as good as as the off season is gone or seemingly gone for the team, uh, do they do they regret not re-signing Cam Sutton? And uh, he says, I don't know if I want to deal in hypotheticals like that, but we had an opportunity. He was a free agent. His contract was up. He got a great opportunity to go to Detroit. He was very happy with that contract. We obviously had discussions. We talked about bringing him back, and it just didn't work out. And that's free agency. There was not a I'd have to go back. He says, I, I don't really recall us having specific discussions on that last year because he was essentially asked, why didn't they extend him a year out? You know, mm, right. You right. know, uh, and, 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 and also, uh, but look, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to play, watch this play out this season. You know, they, uh, they brought in a, another veteran in Patrick Peterson. It, it, it did feel though, when you look at things in totality at this point, and we have talked about this a couple of times, uh, and, and what he got paid with, with the lions and all like that, the Steelers push come to shove. They could have made a deal like that work that, that Sutton probably would have accepted. Sure. I don't think it was financially impossible for them to figure out a way to do that contract. Now, I know, as you mentioned, Detroit added void years that helps, mm-hmm. you know, bring down the, the cap charge in, in those first couple of years of the deal. But uh, Pittsburgh's, you know, financially, they were fine. Salary caps based are solid. And so if they wanted, if they if, if someone made them do a three year deal with, with Cam Sutton, they could have gotten it done. Right. Uh, he was uh, asked about the running back market and Najee Harris uh, specifically, and he said, I'm not going to get into you know specific discussions about a, a specific position group, but I'll just say, look, you don't have a uh, have to be a mathematician to figure it out. Uh, but when quarterback salaries start increasing at the rate that they're increasing, at some point, it's going to have residual effects somewhere on the roster. Every franchise is going to handle things differently. It's up to every franchise to decide how to build their roster, but eventually that's going to have an effect when the quarterback salaries are growing at a rate higher than what the cap is. He says, I get it. There's ways to get around uh, whatever the cap number is, but it's just going to be a natural uh, effect. So, you know, there, uh, there you go. Uh, Instead of blame Canada, blame, blame quarterbacks, right? (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot uh, more to add there, but. Uh, you know, again, when it comes to Najee Harris in the contract, it, it's it's talking point now, and that's fine. But it's not a reality that either side will have to deal with for at least until next offseason when we're talking about fifth year option. I guess next May, I believe that deadline is. And so we're still a ways away before Harris is really able to seriously discuss long term deals and fifth year options and franchise tags. That's still going to be you know, a ways down the road. 
Right. Uh, well, maybe I've got an article I'm going to be posting on the site uh, sometime later today uh, on the heels of Mike Florio uh, being asked on 93.7 if you know he thinks uh, that the Steelers are headed for a drama situation next offseason uh, with Najee Harris. And and long story short, uh, Florio says, uh, you know, if, 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 if Najee has a a good uh, a very good 2023 campaign. You know, he thinks that's the time for Najee to strike, you know, when 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 it when it comes to that, because, you know, you look around uh, the league, the way it's been done in 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 the past with some of these guys. And we've mentioned several times the things like uh, Christian McCaffrey. Right. How rare that was that you got a former first round guy that got an extension after his third year and ahead of the. uh, fit your option, even being, being exercised there. So uh, I do, uh, look, I, I think, you know, Mike Florio can be a s- sensationalist at times, mm-hmm. but I also do think he's been around this business lo- uh, long enough that, uh, he understands some aspects, uh, uh, financial aspects of it. And it, it, it is hard to kind of argue of what he had to say when it comes to, uh, Najee at, after this year, but look, first and foremost, Najee's got to stay healthy. Uh, he's got to have a career year, and then he's got to see where the chips might fall from there. And and look, uh, being the situation that he's in with potentially facing a fifth-year option and then potentially back-to-back franchise tags, there's already a built-in ceiling there, right? Mm-hmm. But right. Uh, uh, and technically, you would say, well, the Steelers, you know, uh, you look at how they've treated their former first-round draft picks. Uh, uh, since the new CBA and the fifth-year option, that's working against Najee as well, too. Hell, if T.J. Watt can't get a new deal after his third season and has to go through the fifth-year option uh, designation process before getting his new deal, before he's actually having to play in his fifth year, then why the hell should Najee expect otherwise, right? Uh, Now, there is... There would be benefits related to both sides, I think, if if Najee had a career year in 2023 and you went ahead and did get him extended early. Because, quite honestly, if he doesn't get an extension next offseason, the likelihood of him getting one drops down tremendously. I guess where I'm going, and I'm not advocating this, so don't say, well, Dave says Najee should be extended uh, if he has a good 2023 season. I wanted to put out there that it might be in the interest really for both sides to, if indeed he stays healthy and he has a a career year in 2023, uh, to, to, to get an extension done uh, after, you know, b- before the fifth year option decision is done. And I'll tell you why. For starters, what's going to happen to those top three guys at the top of the market by the end of March 2024? Talking about Christian McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. Alex, there's a decent chance that all three of those guys are not on the contract at the end of next March, right? Even McCaffrey. Even McCaffrey, right? Okay, I, I wasn't aware I mean, of McCaffrey's situation too much, so you can probably speak to it better than I can. I mean, you know, if he doesn't have a good season at the money he's making, right? Right. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's, it's all possible. I mean, there's definitely a chance. I mean, uh, uh, 
it would be surprising if Khan and 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 uh, Khan, uh, Kamara uh, and 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 uh, and Henry. Yeah, and Henry uh, uh, aren't you know free agents because I think even Henry's contract voids and all like that. And Kamara's on an inflated deal anyway. His his deal's so propped up as, as it is. So what I'm getting at said, so what if you get in a situation where those top where the top where Nick Chubb is uh, magically the highest paid running back in the NFL, like $12.2 million new money average. What if you get to get to that point in, in late March, early April, uh, ahead of uh, the, the, the decision on Najee Harris being done and him coming off of a fantastic uh, season. Uh, and then obviously having the mileage on him that he has and the age that he has. And look, the Steelers obviously have, 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 have a, uh, a ceiling above him when it comes to fifth, fifth year option, back to back franchise tags. Would it make sense to go ahead and lock him up early? Only give him that first year guaranteed money. Uh, you know, anyway, nothing guaranteed beyond the first year. You may you in the process. You could pay. You could give Najee a new money average of twelve point five million. Ta-da! He becomes the highest paid running back in the NFL at twelve point five million. Uh, he doesn't, he, you know, the thing is, is, is his fight for the security and guaranteed money went absolutely nowhere. Right. Uh, 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 and that would be something that he'd have to think long and hard about, but you don't have, you know, once again, he, he could walk around and say he's the highest paid running back in the NFL. He's even though he's only guaranteed the 2024 money, he would be virtually guaranteed, uh, to play through. 2024, 2025, 2026, more than likely, barring, you know, him just falling off a cliff there. Uh, and, you know, the Steers get him locked up a year early at, 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 at that point. It could obviously could cut him at any time after the 2024 season. You see where I'm going here? It's a long, drawn-out kind of expl explanation. And quite honestly, the plausibility of this happening because of uh, precedent isn't great. But it's the best case. It's the best. It's definitely the best case scenario for Najee, and it could be a plausible, better, you know, decent case for the Steelers next offseason as well. Yeah, I guess that's where I come in and just wonder what's the uh, incentive and urgency for Pittsburgh to do it, other than to make sure Najee's happy and doesn't create any sort of drama or any sort of stink or any sort of. You know, he could try to hold out. He'll be fine, though, 50 grand a day in training camp if he's held out and that money is right. not refundable. The CBA says, you know, the teams can't uh, go reverse those fines. And so for a rookie contract to get fined 50K a day, not uh, not a small number for him. So I'm not sure if Pittsburgh has enough incentive to do that uh, as opposed to just, you know, picking up his option and playing out his rookie deal. But again, let, let's get through this year. Let's see how he looks and, and we'll pick it up next year. Yeah. And look, Daniel Khan really hasn't you know, uh, uh, touch that aspect of it other than to talk about, uh, the market. Yeah. You know, I just want to get this part of, of it in there. Cause I was going to write about it today. Once again, I it, do, I'll ask you this right now. Do you think Najee Harris, if he does not get extended next off season or, or ne you know, next summer, will he see an extension at all? Probably not, but 
you never know. I, I I don't want to say definitively one way or another, but I understand your point. If he doesn't get extended sooner than later, then Pittsburgh will just do fifth year option, potential tag. And then by that point, he's later in his career, there's more mileage. And so Pittsburgh will be even more unwilling to give a long-term deal. My whole thought on this, and once again, this is all predicated on having a career year, 1,700 or more uh, 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 yards from scrimmage, yada, yada, and all like that. I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying that this could be the best case scenario next offseason, definitely for Najee. And look, I mean, to, to get a deal done with what it would take to 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 pay him even 12, assuming he's even worth the $12.5 million new money average, you know, you could do so with a negligible uh, increase in his 2024 cap number overall, you know, uh, and you, everybody could walk away moderately happy, uh, uh, especially Najee, because you wouldn't think he'd get uh, guaranteed money uh, past the first year there to me. Uh, and, and, and once again, I'm not advocating this deep down inside. I don't think it's going to happen. I just want to throw it out as an option because Mike Florio talks about after the third year, that's when that's when it's best for these running backs to strike, especially if there's what a someone- strike. What does strike mean? Like, is he saying just for Najee to strike or for all the running backs to strike for, for, for all running backs? He talks all about right. Saquon, you know, had Saquon not had the injury that he had, uh, uh, it would have been a perfect opportunity for him to, 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 you know, because the whole subject of drama was brought up, you know, will, will, will next off season be a drama situation for, for Najee Harris and Florio went on to explain why after year three is the best time for the running backs to make noise because you know, due, due to the mm-hmm. situation that, you know, the market yeah. uh, that, that they're dealing with right now. Okay, I don't think I don't think the whole running back you know class is going to strike because Najee you know wants that new deal. I mean, it's going to be a not, different decision. No, what I mean by strike, by try to strike, I don't mean like strike, strike. I mean attack. Oh, oh, I, I see, I see what you're saying. I, yeah, strike I, I, we're, while we're, the iron's hot, kind of right. Thing, strike yeah. while the iron's hot, not not a literal strike. Okay, I, I just because I know there's been some talk about the running backs trying to have their union and, and actually going going on strike. So I was a little confused about that. Okay, yeah, I mean, he can try. I, mean, hey, uh, I, I might as well read real quick what Florio said. He was asked, you know, say, you know is Najee headed for a drama situation? And he says, well, yes, and that's the bottom line when it comes to any of these individual running backs. If you have a big third year, if you're a drafted player, you can't renegotiate your contract by rule for three full regular seasons. For any running back that has a big third year, that's when you okay make your move uh whether you do it behind the scenes and you convince the team to give you a long-term deal like christian mccaffrey did with the panthers a few years back after his third season and his third season he became the third guy ever to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving or you do what ezekiel elliott did four years ago where he held out and he stayed away until the cowboys gave him a deal he was looking for so uh that's that's how that's that's was Florio's look ahead into, you know, the situation with Najee. Now I'm not advocating uh, Najee hold out. He might hold in, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that, but a, he's got to stay healthy and have a great season first and foremost. And, and, you know, I, I don't think either one of us are expecting a thousand yard receiving uh, right. se- season out of, out of Najee Harris. I mean, I think if Najee hit 1700 total yards from scrimmage, 
I, I think it'd be reason to celebrate. Yeah, it's different situations. McCaffrey was a bigger part of the offense and and, and more productive overall. And Zeke's holdout, I believe, was pre you know the, this current CBA that penalizes and and has those fines for guys who hold out that cannot be uh, rescinded. So you know, again, we'll get through this year. We'll deal with it next year. We'll see what the fifth year option decision is because that'll come before probably anything else in terms of any potential extension. Um, and and, and go from there. Uh, and you know, it sounded like Khan just wanted to kind of just brush it off and blame it on the quarterbacks and move along, which I, not, I mean, he's got a point, you know, uh, the money's got to go somewhere and you only have a limited amount of cap space, yada, yada. And teams, uh, are still only going to spend at probably around at most a hundred percent of the cap in cash over a three year span. Right. Right, right. Uh, speaking of running backs, I thought Con uh, had an interesting answer about um, the depth of the position. We talked so much about the starters, and rightfully so, with Najee Harris at the top, followed by Jalen Warren, who's going to have a big, significant role this year. But Con was asked about how you feel about the depth of the running back room, and basically, why didn't you add a veteran or bring in somebody else? And Con said if he didn't feel good about the current guys on the roster, they would have made that move. And so that was kind of a nod towards the likes of Anthony McFarland. And you mentioned Jason Huntley by name and got a couple of interesting rookies in there and Alfonso Graham and Darius Hagan. So as I've talked about throughout the off season, although it won't be the most consequential uh, battle immediately for Pittsburgh, but that third running back spot feels pretty wide open. And I think we'll make a really good competition this summer. And if someone is brought in from the outside, <laughs> to be a number three running back, a vet, you know, a guy with experience, that guy's not going to be a big name, and it's going to have to be on a minimum deal, and he's probably going to have to play special teams. So why not see if some of these younger guys can get it done first? Right, and that's what they'll do. And as I mentioned yesterday, Anthony McFarland working third string running back, seeing the majority of that time behind Harrison Warren, Jason Huntley sprinkling in not much action from Graham and Hagens, but the rookies, their first camp practice that can and probably will change throughout the summer. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout. What do you think about his answer about the construction of the roster and the whole? You know, it, it, it's it, we we could have wrote out the answer that he was going to give for this, right? You know, about uh, offense versus defense money and all like that. Uh, I forget exactly what he said, what you're referencing there. Uh, he was talking about, let's see if I can find the answer here. Uh, when you look at the, uh, the way you guys construct and pay your roster across the league, people are adding up, adding offensive weapons, paying offense, a lot of money. You guys are kind of doing the opposite on defensive, uh, you know, basically ask, uh, uh, are you confident that's the way to maybe zig while everybody else is zagging and Con said, we don't really look at it that way. If there's a good player and he deserves to get paid, it's my job to try to lock him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't look at it as, hey, we're paying too much to the defense. It's just sort of how I guess it's, you know, haven't, he says, haven't, I haven't studied it enough the way you guys have to really, he didn't, you know, and, and, and this has always been, you know, back when Kevin Colbert was GM as well, too. Good. They, any good player, they try to keep no matter what side of the football it's on. What a concept. Keep yeah. good players. Draft, develop, develop, retain. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that Colin Coward, anytime any defensive player gets paid more than the minimum, he goes off on a big rant about how they can't pay that guy. They should just pay the offense instead. But, I mean, if your option is to keep Alex Highsmith or lose Alex Highsmith, which is better for your team? Keeping Alex Highsmith is better for your team. And it does not preclude this team from being able to add offensive pieces. They've done that in the draft. They've done that in free agency. 
And we all know the case in Pittsburgh that they've invested a ton of draft capital in offense over the last couple of classes. Those guys on their rookie deals that um, shifts the balance in terms of where the money is. Defense drafted first. And so those guys got paid first. But there's a ton of draft capital in the offense right now. Those guys will eventually get paid and that will balance out those scales. So in Pittsburgh, I think everyone understands the, the context of the finances and how it's allocated offense versus defense. Right. All right. Uh, the other two really, I guess, talking points uh, from from Con that are worth covering today uh, and within an hour uh, time frame, <laughs> uh, the center position. He was asked about the center position, potential uh, backups and, and, and the versatility of some of those players. And then he was also asked kind of about the inside linebacker uh, position. Uh, let, let, let's start with a center position first, especially on the heels of you seeing one practice at, 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 at training camp. Yeah, there's really not much new to add. I don't know if Con really did so. Just kind of mention the names that we assume were going to be in that running behind Mason Cole, Kendrick Green working second team, Ryan McCollum working third team. Um, I, I know the Con was asked about, you know, could a James Daniels move around? I don't know if he really even ever addressed that in his answer, but, um, you know, you wonder if a Nate Herbig could potentially do that. He's got a bit of a background at center and he's going to be a backup uh, in all likelihood to start the year or so. Um, we'll let this thing play out kind of like running back and see how those guys do. Uh, you know, he asked, he, he said they were interested in seeing, uh, McCollum in pads, you know, and, I, and, 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 you know, that's a guy that you've written about. You, you think there's a decent chance that McCollum, uh, and really, I think I put McCollum on my 53 man mm-hmm. roster as well, too. So, uh, I think there is a chance that, you know, uh, he, he, he could be that guy. And, you know, obviously I think he was asked about the experience of some of the other guys in, in, in the room uh, with that. But I, I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, after one practice, the three, the three centers that you observed on the first day of training camp practice were Mason Cole, Kendrick Green, and Ryan, Ryan McCollum, right? Correct. Those were the three in order. How, uh, and, and Spencer Anderson was at right tackle and her, uh, uh, Nate Herbig was at right guard, correct? Correct. Herbig, second team, right guard. Anderson was third team, right tackle. All right. How optimistic or, or look into your crystal ball, how much time at center do you think we'll get to see or you'll see uh, either Herbig or Anderson at center in the next, I don't know, seven practices. If, I think you, we'll had, see if, you, if you had to guess. Yeah, I think we'll see it some. I think we'll see somebody else get a couple of center reps. Um, maybe Anderson more so than Herbig if I had to guess, but I really don't know for sure. I mean, they do want to obviously get reps and evaluate Green fighting for a job and McCollum, I think an interesting guy. He was on their practice squad all last year. so. It's hard to say for sure. Injuries can obviously impact that. Somebody goes down, it's going to shift lines, and um, that's when the versatility kind of gets revealed. You lose a guard, and the guy that's playing tackle now maybe plays guard to cover, and they start moving things around. So it is really hard to say, um, but I imagine at some point they're going to get a, at least a look at, 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 at an extra guy just to see what someone else can do and what they can uh, potentially provide. Before the first preseason game, you think that'll happen? Again, it's really hard to say. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to hold you to this if you're wrong. <laughs> I know that, that's what I'm worried about. I'll say yes. I think they probably mix and match, and with camp, an injury is going to occur somewhere, even if it's just a day off and somebody's ding, whatever the case is. So, 
yeah, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I, I'd say that you'll see Anderson and or Herbig and or somebody else get a rep at center during a team drill at one point before a preseason game. Okay, I'm going to guess no, but you can't hold that against me if I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> it, right. does, it doesn't work both ways. Well, here's uh, and look, I, I'm, I'm you know something we've talked about here, but here's here's the money shot with 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 Khan. Uh, he went out of his way to say with Ryan McCollum, excited to see him out here next week in pads, and we feel good about the options back there. Okay, uh, first and foremost, this is Anderson's first camp. You want to get him probably, you know. Uh, uh, you know, comfortable with at least just one spot, right? And it looks like it's going to be right tackle uh, to start with. Now, obviously, he has moved up. He moved up and down the line at Maryland, and 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 all like that. I guess what I'm getting at there is, I'm not so sure they're going to take a long look at, and you know, Herbig or Anderson. But if you know, if if they do, they they got to figure out what those guys can do to some degree other than a few snaps here and a few snaps there in practice. Would you want to see a guy like Anderson or Herbig actually play center in a preseason game or is practice enough to figure out, well, that guy can be our backup center. Yeah. I mean, obviously you would like them to get game action, um, but you're trying to, you know, juggle a lot of hats here and give green time and give them a column time. And those guys obviously are going to get the first crack at it. So it, it's hard to say with Anderson. I mean, you drafted him because he's versatile. And so hopefully you can display some of that or at least see some of that and, and see how it goes throughout the summer. I think obviously at the, at the start of camp, you're kind of putting guys more in one spot to kind of let them get comfortable. But if you're not moving them around, you're kind of, you know, doing yourself a disservice because you drafted a guy because he can play different spots and you want to see how that looks in the NFL. So it's a long process. Um, it, it's a delicate line to walk, trying to give everybody time on a 90-man roster. But uh, I, I think Anderson should get some time in some regard just to start testing the waters there, even if it's not a thing where he enters the year as the backup center. But let's say, God forbid, injuries occur and you're on you know second, third string, needing a backup to the backup. And then you have a guy like Anderson who at least has done it to some degree in the NFL and can kind of lean on that as you scramble midseason whenever injuries strike. I will start and... and- Look, we got a long way to go here. We got just one one camp practice in the books and all. Uh, I'll still maintain that my expectation is for the backup center to be one of Green or McCollum or somebody not currently under contract. That's fair. I'll, and that- I'll be surprised if it goes another direction. Now, uh, I, you know. For me not to be surprised, I think they would have to start figuring some of this stuff out with a guy like Herbig and a guy like Anderson, uh, you know, soon, soon, sooner rather than later there, you know. And look, if, if Anderson was your sweet was, let's say Anderson by some stretch ends up getting some work there, uh, yada, yada, and you feel comfortable enough with him being your your backup center. What does that do to your game day actives? Okay, you're taking this like eight steps down the road. I, I don't, I, I, I don't know right now. Well, you know me. I, I love to I overthink, think this stuff, you know. But, but anyway, uh, it was interesting to hear him talk on on that. And my my kind of takeaway was, well, yeah, we have other guys that can do it, but we really think at this stage and point, it's going to be Kendrick Green or Ryan McCollum, and if they can't do it, you know. You know, I think it's open for specula- a lot of speculation past then. 
Sure. And I agree with you. I think the backup center will be one of Green, McCollum, or an outsider. Um, I don't disagree. That's why I put McCollum as my backup center on, on my roster prediction. And that's why those guys are getting the time there were to start training camp. I would just say if a Spencer Anderson or a Nate Herbig or whoever gets a couple of reps at center in a practice or even maybe late in the game, it doesn't necessarily have to mean they're fighting for that backup job. It may just be, here's a guy who can play around different spots. Let's see how he looks there because you know, what happens if in October we got to turn to this guy for whatever reason, disaster strikes and they just have some reps and some experience there. So um, they may be a little less of like those guys directly in the battle and just more of, Let's, you know, exercise their versatility and just get a look there just so they have something to lean on if it's ever needed throughout the course of the regular season. Sure. You got to be set up for a break glass in case of emergency yeah. situation. I, I I get that. All right. Uh, what about uh, uh, Con on, you know, the inside linebacker position? Yeah. I mean, I think what he spoke, was it Roberts he was talking about, I think? And, you know, well, he was to- asked uh, specifically, let's see. Uh, let me see if I can find out the where, where he was asked. Uh, how do you feel about the depth in that inside linebacker room? And how do you feel from a coverage standpoint that room can be better than last year? He says, we signed the guys that we did just because we felt we had to get better. And I think we're going to be better with those guys. He says, I'm confident in the group that we have there. I've said this before. If there's an opportunity to upgrade a position group, we're always going to look at it. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. Now, you can look at that two different ways. You can say, well, you know, he made sure to say upgrade a, uh, a position group, not necessarily the linebacker position group. But then you can also, you know, in other words, cover his bases that way. But, but on the flip side, you can say, well, why did he even ha- talk about upgrading the position group when it wasn't kind of necessarily directly asked if he if he would consider it why did he why did he throw out that extra you know because you 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 can diagram this sentence any way you want to (laughs) right yeah i just kind of view this as general gm speak he didn't really address anything directly of course he thinks they've upgraded the inside linebacker spot with how they overturned that room and he's always going to leave the door open for anything in the future at any position because you never know what may come up with your own injuries your own evaluation what becomes available through trade, through cuts and waiver claims, all that kind of stuff. So to me, this was just kind of a very general catch-all. We're happy with the group. We think we got better. We're always going to keep the door open to explore uh, external options. All right. He talked a little bit about the cap and said, you know, a lot of the things that I talk about throughout the offseason that you want to have a little bit of a buffer there uh, when it comes to uh, the salary cap to be able to to, to you know to 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 you know, spend extra money and upgrade your roster uh in 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 the meantime there so uh he he did hit on that he threw out a uh let's see he says yeah always uh, need to have a buffer like to keep our options open if there's an opportunity to uh, ever to upgrade our team we want to be able to uh, do it if it makes sense uh, he says the buffer changes every year as long as you have. He says, I can give you an arbitrary number. Let's call it $5 million. I just need to know there's places where I can create later on in the uh, in the offseason if, 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 if I have to. Such as a TJ Watt restructure, which you've right. talked about, and we're still monitor that. If that were to happen, would that be a right before the season? Regular season, I, I, I think so. I think you want to make okay. sure he gets through whatever preseason time okay. that, uh, uh, especially on the heels of you know restructuring him last year and all. Uh, any restructure with Watt, if and does it now look there, you could paint out some scenarios where 
there's a possibility maybe they maybe they don't have to do it, uh, but it still does kind of feel like like maybe a, a, a partial restructure will come with him, and I would expect that to happen probably right around the time that they're 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 putting together the final fifty three. Right, that makes a lot of sense there. Anything else from Omar Khan that was basically. Uh, he, you know, doesn't expect any other contract extensions to take place this right. offseason. Didn't close that door, but we don't really expect any name to uh, to come up there. So uh, should be pretty quiet on that front. And uh, he did give the vote of confidence that he believes that him uh, himself and Mike Tomlin will be in Pittsburgh for a long, long time. That was addressing and kind of sidestepping the Tomlin extension, because, as you said, that is uh, above Khan's pay grade. All right. Uh, you want to highlight some things uh, from uh, the uh, training first training camp practice on Thursday and the things you're looking forward to on the in, in the second practice uh, on Friday? Well, we should mention just briefly, it's a it's a new look Steelers, new practice jerseys. They got these yellow sleeves. I don't know if I'm crazy about them, but I really could. Care I, like, less the, I like the yellow ones a lot better. Than I, uh, the, I like the defensive ones. They look like the uh, the Gotham mm. uh, Gotham City Rogues. <laughs> <laughs> I do like those ones better than the offense, but they can wear right. whatever. I don't care as long as they're looking good and staying healthy out there. But did anyone say why they have new jerseys? Is it just change for the sake of change or is there any certain reason behind it do you know i don't know there's probably some marketing on there somewhere right i was gonna say was there a i didn't see a logo or anything but i, yeah. I might have missed it i wasn't looking too much um who was it the yankees just got uh, uh what team has like a patch on their their uh their uniforms now it might have been the yankees everyone was kind of roasting them for that but anyway doesn't doesn't matter too much um yeah in terms of day one it is just one day the team was in shells so no pads and so evaluations can be tricky and you don't want to make too many uh, reactions, positive or negative, but I thought, you know, receiver DB play pretty interesting. I thought DBs won the day. Joey Porter, a nice day. Patrick Peterson showing some versatility. Uh, Elijah Riley with an interception, and he's a guy fighting for a spot, you know, slot corner uh, possibility. So that was interesting. Calvin Austin, Hakeem Butler struggling to finish some plays that they're capable of making. And so I thought those guys, um, thought the, the DBs were kind of winning the day overall against the receivers, but I thought. Austin, Hakeem Butler in particular, struggling a bit. Uh, Cody White, a nice day for Cody White, making a couple of catches. All right. Uh, anything, any other revelations since we did uh, the uh, the Thursday night special edition podcast to, to, to tack on top? Or, or, or did you say, all, you know, did you review it kind of how you thought? And uh, yeah. in other words, nothing came to mind after the fact, did it? Um, I, I do want to mention, I think I might've mentioned this on the podcast, but just with George Pickens wrote the article today, just him looking comfortable with his motions and just running a full route tree. There was no crazy catch yesterday, but, um, we know he can do that. I thought actually he looked just more natural, more comfortable. And that was going to be the biggest thing. The biggest step that he could take in year number two was kind of really becoming a well-rounded receiver, not just a one note vertical guy, although he can do that very well. He will do that in 2023, but, um, just seeing a guy that looked like he was a true receiver and not just the the go deep kind of guy. All right. And uh, what, what, what are things you're looking for kind of today specifically? I think you're going to try to have eyes on Chandon Sullivan today, right? Yeah. I know Tomlin mentioned him in that nickel pairing and Tomlin very clear. He didn't care about Duke Dawson running first team slot corner. He said he didn't know who was going to be out there. He didn't care who was out there first team. They're going to get looks at all these guys. Do you buy so- that? And somebody's got to be the guy. There's got to be a reason that Duke Dawson was first team slot corner. It doesn't mean he's going to stay there, but it's something to note yeah, to me at least. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't even see Sullivan. So I, I may have missed him. I want to get eyes on him today just to kind of get my bearings down on that. Other things I want to see Pat Frymuth. I think he was standing up on the slot some yesterday. So I want to 
get a better view of that today and continue to watch some of these guys like at the Marvin Leal and the slot corner battle. And because there's a ton of guys playing slot corner right now, whether it's um, Dawson, Peterson, Norwood, Riley, Sullivan, it's going to be in that mix as well. So it's really a throw it all at the wall and see what sticks situation. All right. And you'll be watching the CEO, you know, hope, hoping uh, Calvin Austin III can kind of have a bounce back day, right? Yeah, like I said, just one day. And so the guys that had good days yesterday, you need to need to stack them, need to continue those. The guys that may have struggled, a chance to rebound. That's the great thing about camp. They're back out there 24 hours later, and you're immediately going to be able to, uh, to hit the reset button. So you could have a great day today, and we're totally having a different conversation. And again, once the pads come on, the uh, pads come on, the evaluation really begins right now. It's kind of glorified OTAs. And so um, there's more urgency now than there was in OTAs, but it's still not not a true football environment. And you'll obviously be tracking the offensive line and defensive line rotations, and uh, where's Demarvin Leal and 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 those kind of things. It it it, it does seem though that uh, Omar took the truth serum way back at the uh, combine, right? Uh, uh, Ver, you know, ver, they're going to continue to lean on his versatility, at least what you've seen after one practice, right? Yeah, he was doing everything yesterday. Now, I think it was more hand down than standing up, but he did stand up on at least one rep that I saw in team. And he worked base end. He worked interior nickel packages. He worked, you know, stand up edge linebackers. So, yeah, true to Collinsworth, true to what Liao said reporting to camp, he is going to wear all the hats this year. Okay, uh, we, you and I will be back to recap uh, the Friday training camp practice later this evening for about 30 to 40 minutes there. Uh, I guess we should, you know, obviously hit on Joe Burrow's situation, right? Yeah, seems to be a better best case scenario for the Bengals. Joe Burrow carted off yesterday with a calf injury. Obviously, very scary moment there, but the report is a calf strain. I don't know exactly what the timetable for that will be. Obviously, you would very much assume the Bengals will be incredibly cautious with Joe Burrow. Joe um, Burrow is going to be incredibly yeah, cautious with, with Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. <laughs> That's the most important, uh, probably, conversation point there. But point is, it, it sounds like Burrow has avoided a, a serious injury that would jeopardize uh, his, his season. So that's uh, obviously good news for the Bengals. If you're his agent right now, what are you doing? Uh, ever seen the movie Bubble Boy? Put Joe Burrow <laughs> in one of those bubbles, let him roll around camp, and he cannot do anything else until a new contract's in hand. I mean, there's no way you you put yourself back out there right now, right? I mean, you throw you throw the footballs on the side. You do all all the individual stuff. I don't even with a calf injury now too. I mean, how much is he even going to be able to run around? Uh, while while you know to whatever degree that thing is that 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 it needs to heal. You know, I I think I just put him out there and 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 let him just mingle with the guys and kind of kind of teach along the way. I don't I don't know if I'd ask him to do anything more than just stationary throw a few footballs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it'll be pretty slow with, uh, with Joe Burrow until, um, you know, obviously the contracts in hand and he should then become the highest paid quarterback and highest paid player in football. Um, I assume because he'll jump Justin Herbert who just earned that contract. So these quarterbacks getting paid, you know, tons of money. Um, and, and that's fine. I'm not knocking them for it, but their, their market has obviously exploded in, in the past five years or so. All right. Any other, uh, Steelers players, uh, in, in their talk in their scrum sessions from uh, Thursday that you thought was topical need to be addressed? Uh, let's see. Pat Frymuth said that he thinks Pittsburgh can have the best or have among the best offenses in football. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little optimistic, but players should be optimistic. They should be confident. So my question to you is what are your, 
realistic expectations for the Steelers offense this year in terms of, you know, points per game and how successful they can be. I mean, after one practice and, and you not, guys, not, 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 not one practice, but just what your, what your thoughts were coming into this year before even the practice occurred, how good can this offense be? I tell you what, my, my optimism right now is a lot. I wouldn't say a lot. It is higher than it was going into the off season. I think just from the sheer fact they upgraded the offensive line. And I think most of that optimism, I look, I don't think they're going to be top 10 offense in the league. You know, uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I think if they can even get to the middle of the pack, uh, I think that would be speaking. I, I think, I think that'd be a good job there. Uh, I think it's just mostly related. Uh, my, my optimism taking a click up is just related to the synergy of <laughs> it's a, we're, we're closer to the start of the season and the juices are flowing and, you know, Kenny, from what I understand, had a pretty decent first day and everybody's healthy and, and you got a lot of uh, guys that have been to, you know, outside of those offense linemen, you got a kind of a nucleus that's been together. You got a, a veteran guy adding in and, and Allen Robinson, uh, the second to kind of be the glue in that wide receiver room, just kind of arbitrary, things to attach yourself to, to make you have feel good uh, feelings inside. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, do, is- I do think they can score more points and they better score more yeah. points per game. Uh, but you know, are we talking 21, 22, 23 points? I mean, I think, I think if you're able to reach a point where you're scoring 23 points a game, um, uh, uh, Matt, Matt, they might build a statue out of Matt, Matt Canada. <laughs> I don't know about that. At that point, I'm, I'm not that optimistic, but I look, I expect it to be better than last year. To what degree? Uh, I think Kenny's just really, uh, and I've said this throughout the offseason, I think he's just really represented himself well from, from the moment he was picked, you know? Uh, yeah. and, and I think he's going to feel a lot more comfortable and, and, you know, they, they basically have said that, right? I mean, he, how, how would he not feel a lot more comfortable coming in? He has even said it coming into this training camp as, as, as the defined starter unquestioned starter, having his, you know, the, the, the 12 games that he played in uh, behind them, having more say in the, in, in, in the offensive game plan and all like that. How can you not have optimism that it will be better than what would the offense that we saw last year, but within that, to what degree I'm, I'm still undecided on that, but I, I will tell you that my optimism is slightly higher than it was coming out of the 2022 season. But I think that's just the fandom synergy, uh, synergy and the start of the season and, and, and new beginnings and, and all like that related to that. Ask well, me, no. ask me in another three weeks. I mean, there's reason, you know, tangible, objective reason to believe this offense can and should and needs to be better when you have more talent, more continuity uh, and an identity. This team knows who they are, how they win it, when, when they didn't have that the first half of last year. So they should be better. The question is how much better? How much? What is yeah, what is the goal? I think, you know, to me, minimum top half of the league in scoring. Um, that's, you know, 15th at least, I, I would say, but hopefully obviously higher than that top 10 in red zone offense, cut down on turnovers, more big plays. You do those things. You know, even if you're not the fourth best offense in football, if you're if you're like the 13th or 12th best offense in football points per game wise, your defense plays well, like we expected to 
that's going to get you in the playoffs at the very least. And so where you go from there, you know, who knows, but um, if you can do those things, that's kind of your overall recipe for getting back to the postseason. I will say this. If this team was able to win nine games last year, why shouldn't there be any reason to think that they can't at least be one game better than that last year? So in other words, you know, 10 wins. And if you're mm-hmm. talking about a 10 and 17, you those, there's some pretty good chances in there of at least making it to the playoffs, right? Uh, yeah. a lot, a lot, now, I know there was a USA Today prediction, I think, that had the Steelers, what, 11 and 6 and not making uh, the playoffs or something like that. I mean, it, it, it would be super hard and you'd have to lot of, you'd have to have a lot of bad luck. I think around, around the conference to have 11 wins and not make, make, make the playoffs. Could it happen? Sure. I, I, I suppose so. Uh, I, I, I will say, you know, here, here's where I am. I, 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 I was already at kind of nine and a half wins for this team before, you know, heading, you know, go, go for, through the middle of the summer. I don't see why, unless a lot of injuries happen on, on both sides of the football, why this team can't be a t- 10 win team uh, uh, at a minimum. So, a, so a 10 to 11 win team, I, I, I think should be in expectations. That's fair. I understand that. And I do struggle with that because in one half of my mind, I sit there and say, as you just made the point, this was a nine and eight team last year, despite being, a, a two and 16 being one of the worst teams in the league at the bye week with, with all the upgrades, everything that looks better. How can they not win at least one more game compared right. to, to last That's year? So, so I totally understand that. But then I go, you know, they still went, can they go on a seven and two stretch the way that they went on last year? Just uh, statistically speaking, can you really do that in the AFC? That is so tough. And these games are going to be so close. And, you know, can Pittsburgh continue to just have this incredible record of winning one possession games are just so good at it. And they've been so successful at it. Will their luck quote unquote run out eventually? So can they, my concern almost is that they're going to be like objectively a better team in 2023 than 2022, but also still win just nine games, you know, because of the AFC is just so darn competitive. So I don't know what to make of all that, but that is a fair thought because this team is better than it was a year ago. And they won nine games a year ago. And so logically you would sit there and say, Okay, you can at least win ten with this current group. My mind immediately drifts to okay, what what would prevent this team from being a ten win team in two thousand twenty three? And the only thing I can come up with is it being uh, well, two two factors: a lot of injuries, and especially on the defensive side of football. Uh, and 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 the second thing is is you know Matt Canada just just still can't figure this thing out how to best you know, best utilize mm-hmm. the weapons that, that he has. Uh, those, those would be the, the two things that I could foresee. Well, this team went, uh, no more bumper sticker this team went eight and nine, you know, right. Uh, those, those are the reasons I, this far out, I think that, that you, you could, you know, predict to be attached to it injuries and, you know, offensive you know, uh, identity, creativity, blah, 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 uh, uh, related to, 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 to Canada. Sure. I understand that. I think you're right on both counts. And again, just, you know, the AFC North being really good where you might kind of lose a couple of divisional games because it is just, you know, so many talented teams in there. We sit there and say the Steelers were a good team. They just lost that Ravens game on that last second sure. field goal where Justin Tucker, 67 yarder, you know, something like that, where you just kind of, you know, talk about that kind of stuff, but, but yeah, fair points there. 
Uh, okay, uh, shall we table everything until tonight? All right, you want to get a couple of read emails quickly and then uh, close out today's show? I don't know if we have too many. I haven't really looked, to be honest with no. you. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything camp-wise, maybe people sending something in after the first day. Usually we get a couple of comments, a couple of questions. Um, uh, here's one from Chris Lookhart. says, uh, let's see... Uh, reports are saying that Kenny's arm looks a lot more lively. He said his arm looks stronger and he's throwing the ball a lot tighter down the field. Did you get that sense too? He mentioned, if, let's see, they mentioned a few balls to Pat and Hayward uh, sp- uh, specifically and a ball to Robinson. So everybody already wants to know after one practice, does uh, uh, Kenny's arm look uh, more lively, stronger? Yeah, it, it'd be very trendy and very easy for me to say, yes, Kenny's arm looks so much better than a year ago. I, you know, and I know, I know the picket said he probably felt like his arm got stronger this offseason. It, it probably has to some degree, um, just from a mechanical standpoint, from, uh, as you said, kind of working his core standpoint. You know, arm strength is not just, you know, your literal arm. It's built ground up, your your feet, your hips, your your core, um, all that kind of stuff. So I mean, there's probably been something there. I'm not going to pretend like I was blown away by the arm yesterday or it felt like incredibly different, but. When you have a guy that's more comfortable, more confident, more sure of himself, more sure of the playbook, the arm's going to look better. You're going to you know, speed things up and um, you're just going to look better overall. So certainly compared to a year ago, you know, Pickett's first uh, week of camp where he struggled and looked like a rookie, which was fine. Um, there's a big difference there. But does the arm look you know, amazing? Eh, I'm, I'm not going to go that far. But he had a good day yesterday. There was no question about that. And he threw the ball well. I mean, ask you in two more weeks, right? Three more weeks. So you have yeah, a, get in the game. I want to see this yeah, in the game. Right, right. Uh, and as I always like to say, this time of year, man, I'm I'm not there. I have I I live through uh, Alex's eyes and written and spoken word. So uh, until preseason starts, uh, I have to put a lot of what I. Uh, my analysis into the preseason games for obvious reasons there. And I do that every year and, 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 and it has served me well. So uh, until we get into some of these preseason games, I, I have to take what Alex has to say and then try to form that up in, 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 you know, in, into an opinion. So in no way, shape or form, can I talk on, 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 on Kenny's arm or anything uh, like that at this point there. So, and we try, and as Alex always tries to, and I think you even put, uh, put this out there, you know, don't, don't overreact to anything, especially early on. First, first, no, no pads on in practice kind of practices. Right. And and with Kenny Pickett, like he's he's like at this point, you know, you still want to see the evaluation of, of that jump, obviously, but I expect him to look good in training camp practices against his own team. You know, once you go through the whole season and you're facing, you know, the Baltimore Ravens on the road um in a game that, that you have to win to keep your playoff hopes alive, training camp is pretty easy compared to all that. So the game should slow down, he should look good. And so obviously you want you want to make sure he's looking good and you want to see how it looks inside stadiums. That's probably more important to evaluate the jump for him. Um, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not expecting Pickett to look poor in these situations because of all he's been through over the last 12 months. All right. Uh, that's the only question we have. So we'll end it there until you and I reconvene, uh, Friday night for another special edition of the terrible podcast to wrap up the Steeders second, uh, training camp practice of 2023. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at terrible podcast, email the show, the terrible podcast 
at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you want an ad-free version of the site, steedersdepot.com, hit the ad-free button. So uh, busy, busy, busy day ahead of us. Uh, Alex, drive safe and uh, uh, to and from late trobe today and i'll talk to you later on tonight and as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex